Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, boys and girls, it is Steve with the Rogue Scholar, and we are going to be talking about that oppressive free lunch in defense of free stuff, folks, in defense of free stuff. Everywhere I'm looking online and listening to rank and file Americans talking about things like student debt, Medicare for all, any other program possible. I hear nonstop complaints, and this is not just from our dear friends of the GOP. This is stuff from Democrats, which are basically like GOP with a blue hat, but we've got the red hat going. And so what we end up with is a bunch of people who believe that everything costs something. You've got to have somebody pay for something. It's nothing comes for free. And, And we're watching this play out right in front of us all these years later. Many, many people still stuck on the idea that we've got to, it's got to cost you something. We've got to pay for these things. And, and what I want to try to impart to you, I think the most important thing that I want to impart to you is that our government in reality, though not in practice, is supposed to be we the people, okay? We the people, you and I, just regular Jane and Joe six pack, okay? And the government is supposed to, supposed to take care of our general welfare. In other words, it's supposed to create a, a, an economy, an environment that we can survive and thrive in, okay? And that means that things that are necessities for you and I should not cost us an arm and a leg. We should not become slaves to be able to get those things like, for example, an education. Why in the world should we carry on our backs for our entire lives the weight of what turns out to largely be a training, education, and development for corporate America? So we go, we spend two years of our life, four years of our life, six years of our life, eight years of our life going to college nonstop, trying to get more certifications, more degrees, more uh, qualifications so we can one-up the next guy behind us. You know that saying that you don't have to uh, outrun everyone, you just need to outrun the slowest one of your friends, right, so that the bear gets them? Well, in this case, that's what capitalism has taught us, that fuck the person that's behind us. As long as we get ours, we just keep on running faster than them, getting a leg up on them, we're okay. But what if, in fact, our government decided that, hey, we really do represent the people We really do want to create the public purpose. We do really want to create the general welfare. And so we want to provide the necessities that are required to to get through a daily life, right? Why not? Why not? Oh, my God. Yeah, let me me tell you, this is disgusting. You know, I was on with uh, Kit Cabello a long time ago at Hard Lens Media. They heard the MMT story, but they have really, really doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on the libertarian stuff. I have no idea why. 
And sadly, that cadre of people that all kind of work together in the alt media world, they repeat these things. This is very much a hard currency, libertarian, poor economic understanding that has infected our movement in the worst possible way. I don't understand what the appeal of right-wing libertarian economics is, but they're repeating it and they're repeating it ad nauseum. And it's not just Kit, it's the rest of the gang, okay? These guys literally don't understand. And sadly, because of that, you will not get any kind of relief from your fellow progressives who are suckled into that libertarian alt-right kind of belief system, which is what's being pumped out there, okay? The ignorance of economics is so pervasive in this movement that the idea of free stuff, instead of just being citizens' benefits, right? The benefits of being a citizen in this country. You know, you go to a company and you're like, what do I get for being an employee in your com- you know, company? And they go, well, we'll give you health care and we'll give you a college and we'll give you this and we'll give you that and we'll give you the other. Okay. And that's part of the benefit package. Okay. Well, being a part of this country, being part of the productive capacity of this country should entitle you to citizens' benefits, benefits of being a citizen in this country. I would extend it beyond citizens, but just suffice it to say that let's keep it as a citizen for right now. We can provide anything to you. We can provide free medical care, not with a deductible not with a bunch of tax dollars associated with it to pay for it. We can provide that for free. There's no reason that we can't do that, okay? There's no reason we can't make education a right in this country from cradle to grave. Literally, any kind of education you want, there's no reason that the federal government cannot pick up that tab. And when we say free, we're not talking about the people that are providing the service don't get paid. The only difference here is we're talking about who makes that payment. It ain't you and I, it's the government, okay? And when the government serves our needs in that way, not only does money get spent into the economy to keep the economy going, but it also keeps those people in business doing the things that are needed for us to be made whole, okay? So I I do frequently see Paul Ryan going way back in the day, way back in the day. Paul Ryan was fighting with, Alan Greenspan talking about social security and having to have private medical or private health. uh, Why do I keep fucking this up? Private savings accounts, as opposed to social security to invest your money on wall street. Now, let me ask you a question. How many idiots would have invested their money in crypto with their 401k or their, their social security retread, and they would have lost their entire asses with this latest fall down. Think about that for a minute, okay? This is what Paul Ryan and the other assholes out there that are market-based would have pushed us all to. This is what happens when Joe Biden says, instead of giving you guys free healthcare, I'm gonna privatize Medicare, okay? Now by privatizing Medicare, you put yourself in the same exact bucket. There's no reason for any of it. Make it free to you and me, Make get rid of copays, get rid of deductibles, get rid of all that shit. Let the cost of healthcare be irrelevant to you and I. Let the cost of medical supplies be irrelevant to you and I. Let the cost of pharmaceuticals be irrelevant to you and I. Make the federal government cover those costs. 
get rid of. Like I was just talking to Warren Mosler and Warren was talking to me about the price of fuel. And he's like, well, wait a minute, hold on. He goes, you, you, you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth. Do you want a green new deal? And do you want to have alternative, uh, you know, natural energy, re renewable energy, et cetera, green energy, or do you want cheap fuel? Which do you want? Because, because what I'm seeing is people have two split minds. One, they want to have cheap fuel, but two, they say, oh no, but the environment and the, the two are very inconsistent. So we need to have a consistent understanding of the way the monetary system works so that we can have a consistent understanding of what we're asking for. And this is in defense of free stuff because it's not really free in the sense that somebody's not paying for it. Somebody's not getting money for it. It's free in the sense that you and I don't have to worry about the cost. Okay. So when you look at what is the goals of the country, what, what is the goals of the country? Why are we at war, you know, by proxy with Russia? What, what is the point of all this? Okay. Now you could sit there and you can come up with a million, you know, James Bond type uh, explanations. But the fact is, is that this is right now the current way that our government believes that it can have maximum control. Okay. And it can allow it to spend money because it can spend money on military operations. But what we're seeing right now is inflation, right? We're seeing all this inflation. We're seeing these price adjustments due to supply chains and other such things, okay? But ultimately, those costs at the state level could be eradicated. The federal government could literally offset all state monies and, and stop making them tax and do all this stuff and could give block grants or, or per capita block grants to the states to offset any kind of unfunded mandates that are put down toward them. That's not free stuff, is it? Or is that free stuff? I don't think it's free stuff, but that would be called free stuff by the idiot savants out there. And so by the federal government choosing to pay money to the states versus the states having to tax UNI for that, now, it doesn't mean in the absence of taxes, doesn't mean the absence of fines and fees. It means that it doesn't fund the states with fines and fees. By allowing the federal government to do block grants, it allows the federal government to provide us with more, quote, unquote, free stuff. Okay. I mean, you look at the pensions in, in the states and you think to yourself, I worked my whole life for this pension. That's not free stuff. But yet you see that the states are literally having a tough time making pension payments. Why is the states having a tough time making pension payments? Why are pensions only partially funded? Why are they struggling with that? They're struggling with that because prices have gone up. People are making less money. They're, they're not doing well. They're reducing federal expenditures right now. And so you're watching literally as the states okay, they will bleed out because what the money comes from the federal government is required to keep them going. So what's going to happen? It's going to be pinching down on you and I. That doesn't need to be, but would you call that free stuff if the federal government fixed it? Just because it didn't give you the money specifically, it gave it to the state 
as long as the state's not taxing you, would you call that free stuff? I would hardly call that free stuff. I would hardly call that free stuff at all. But yet, think about all the unfunded mandates that are put on the states by the federal government. Those unfunded mandates get funded. But guess how they get funded? They get funded with your local and state tax dollars. The taxes that are imposed on you by the state are what is filling that void. So when you sit there and you think to yourself, if the federal government is putting out there this huge amount of unfunded mandates, and I don't know what the exact amount is, but it's in the billions of dollars, okay? And for everything from roadways to schools, you name it. By removing that burden from the states, it then in turn removes that burden from you and I on our taxes. So that in turn gives us more money, so to speak, in our pockets to spend. The question then becomes, are there goods and services there for us to buy? And so now we're into the supply chain issue, okay? Now we're, do they produce enough goods and services for us to buy? So I want to keep it real and keep it right on that point for just a minute. All the other things that we talk about from elementary school, sometime go to your local elementary school and look and see when they have gym class. I guarantee you the vast majority of schools in this country no longer have gym class every day. They now have it like once every seventh day or 12th day. They used to have music class every day in schools back in the 70s and stuff. Now it's like once every four weeks or something like that. And you have to pay for your own equipment and all this other stuff to play sports. It's the same thing. It used to be you go in there, you could play sports. They do these cake uh, cake fests or food drives or whatever to try to pay for uh, helmets and cake bake sales, whatever, pay for helmets and pads and things like that. Now. They sit there and put that cost on the parents. Well, what if you're a kid that doesn't have money? You come from a family that doesn't have money. Would it be free stuff to give your kid the tools and the stuff they need for education, giving them a computer to use? Would that be free stuff? Would it be free stuff to give them the opportunity to go ahead and actually uh, you know, do a library run? Would it be free stuff to be able to give them the internet so that they could do their homework? Would it be free stuff to give them their textbook? Why would it be free stuff to go to college? What what suddenly biologically changed at 12th grade with your first year of college? What suddenly changed? Why is that suddenly free stuff, but K through 12 is considered just mandatory school? Why isn't trade school? considered part of that? Why isn't university considered part of that? Is it just free stuff? I don't think so. But by the definition, it would be. I was sitting there talking to somebody about eliminating student debt. And this guy comes in and says, I paid my student debt and I paid my daughter's student debt. And I think everyone should have to pay their student debt. This guy wasn't a decent person. He was a fucking evil fucker, right? He was an evil son of a bitch. He's like the guy, the slave that gets freed, that thinks everybody should have to stay a slave because he was a slave for 12 years. So everybody else needs to stay a slave for at least 12 years because he did his time. They shouldn't commute sentences in jails because after all, you did your time. They should have to spend their life in prison as well. You know, 
It's just the kind of sick, perverted, twisted logic that is so pervasive in our society today. And it is not just relegated, sadly, to the GOP. It's not just Republicans that are doing this. It is your Democratic Party as well. And they are putting forward that whole bootstrap mentality, just the same. In fact, you hear people talking about not giving student debt, uh, eliminating student debt, making school free, because that would benefit the rich disproportionately. Well, let me ask you a question. Say you're a rich person. Are you going to pay 8 16% on a debt that you don't need to pay when you could just pay the thing outright and be done with it? No, student debt is something people that don't have money take on. Student debt is for the people that are broke or that don't have it. But let me just say this. The minute you start slicing it out for this group versus that group, now it's welfare and now it can be taken away. If you just make it citizens' benefits, free stuff, citizens' benefits, and stop judging who gets it, Now, all of a sudden, all ships are going to rise. Now, all of a sudden, you really are starting to level the playing field, and it won't be taken away because when everybody gets it, who's the the moocher? No one is the moocher. Everyone is getting their college paid for because it's an investment in our national infrastructure, human capital, so to speak. So we've really got to get to the point where we stop having to defend the pursuit of free stuff and start thinking about what kind of society do you want to live in? What kind of country do you want to live in? You know, if we're sitting here trying to mitigate climate crisis, and I tell you that the federal government can literally spend whatever money it needs to, to make sure everyone has renewables, whatever that looks like. And you call that free stuff. When that is being done to mitigate climate crisis, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. So what I want to do is I'm going to read an article, and this is an old article, but it's a very good article. I'm going to read an article from J.D. Alt from New Economic Perspectives, okay? And J.D. Alt's article is called The Oppressive Free Lunch. And mind you, look, this is going back March 12th, 2014, okay? J.D. Alt is the author, and J.D. has written so many good works. Come to realprogressives.org, and you can find a lot of them. Go to New Economic Perspectives. You can find them as well. But I'll just read this to you. He says, trying your best to balance the federal budget with a limited number of tax dollars and doing so while visibly displaying great compassion for your fellow citizens in hopes they might reelect you requires some very special thinking skills. These unique skills of rational analysis and gentle compassion were on display recently when Congressman Paul Ryan gave a speech to the Conservative Political Action Conference, laying the groundwork for his forthcoming effort to cut the deficit by reforming the welfare system. In his speech, Mr. Ryan told the story of the stinging oppression suffered by a young boy who was given a free lunch every day at school, presumably as part of the National School Lunch Program initiated by President Harry Truman in 1946. As Mr. Ryan related it, the young boy told a political activist 
that he didn't want a free lunch. What he wanted was his own lunch in a brown paper bag like the other kids who brought their lunch to school. He wanted it in a brown paper bag, he said, because he knew that a kid with a brown paper bag had someone at home who cared for him. This triumphant revelation on how a federal poverty program actually oppresses the poor makes them feel less than human, traps them in unending dependency for free lunches, met with instant outrage from progressives. Not, however, for the reasons you might think. Folks, this is where it gets dicey. The progressives, after all, are dealing with exactly the same shortage of tax dollars as Congressman Ryan. So there are limits to the dimensions their outrage can take. In the case of Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post fact checker, awarded Mr. Ryan four Pinocchios, the maximum penalty, for having told a story which is aggressive a journalistic research revealed was untrue. It never actually happened as Mr. Ryan related Hence the progressive outrage. It wasn't a real story. What is interesting here is how neither side of the debate seems capable of dealing with reality. The fact that there is clearly an underlying truth to Mr. Ryan's story, even if it's merely a parable, is something neither he nor the outraged progressives were able to acknowledge. Mr. Ryan implies that the boy's mother is a feckless, lazy, good-for-nothing who doesn't even care enough about her child to pack him a paper bag lunch and sends him off to school to beg for food so that she, no doubt, can be free to engage in illicit activities. He also implies and further suggests with other analysis that the boy's mother exhibits a sociopathic behavior because she is the victim of other federal welfare programs which pay her rent pay her to be unemployed, and reduce her monthly grocery costs. The reason all of this must be true is because if it isn't true, we have a big problem. The boy's mother really doesn't have the means to pack him a lunch every day because, in spite of her genuine and monumental efforts to find good work and gain financial footing, the private sector economy simply has no paying position to offer her. If that were the case, it would be logical to believe that she actually deserves the very best assistance we, as a collective society, can provide. Believing that, however, will require diverting tax dollars from some other spending program, which is equally essential, or more tax dollars, which are politically impossible. So you can see how tricky and important it all is that A, the mother doesn't actually deserve the assistance, nor B, does the child even want it. In many ways, the thinking is even trickier for progressives. They begin with the premise that the boy's mother is doing the best she can with the opportunities provided to her, and that she really does deserve the very best assistance we can provide. They further believe that neglecting to provide the best assistance is not only an ethical failing, but extracts real costs from our collective well-being by laying the ground for millions of lives to fall dramatically short of what they otherwise could achieve. With these premises like a banner leading the parade, the progressives lift their knees high, marching vigorously in place. They could step forward and boldly claim new territory. They could, for example, assert that true welfare reform must start with universal prenatal care, expanded universal housing and grocery vouchers for homeless mothers, universal pre-K daycare programs in every urban neighborhood and rural community, to the conservative objections that instigating programs like that would simply make the mothers perpetually dependent upon the state. 
the progressives could respond that it's not about the mothers. It's about the generation to come. True, they could say a lot of those assisted mothers might fall into a habit of dependency, but their children will do better in school, grow up to be more productive and socially acclimated adults and be less likely to need welfare themselves. Effective welfare reform, in other words, designs its own future obsolescence. But the progressives, of course, can't march forward. They just pump their knees and stay in place because they can't think of how to answer the one simple question, how are you going to pay for it? If one or two progressive leaders would just make the fucking effort to inform themselves how modern sovereign fiat currency actually functions, they'd realize that paying for it is actually the easiest part. The hardest part for the enlightened progressive politician is going to be staring down the incredulous giggles of the status quo pundits. And that, my friends, is one of the most important articles that I'll read to you. Because if you don't see progressives that act that way in the same light that that article just laid it out, you need to readjust your brain. You need to start seeing progressives that are willing to pay a little bit more for Medicare so other people have Medicare. They're willing to pay a little bit more because that, that's not how it works. It's all higher ground. It's all postulate. It's all posturing. It's all bullshit. Okay. And it's exactly why there's no prayer for a Green New Deal. It's exactly why the tsunamis will come before progressives get their head out of their collective asses and realize, unlike Kit Kabbalah, who we pointed out earlier, is talking about this whole, oh, we're already in debt to China, China. You know, the debt, the national debt is nothing more than the sum total of every untaxed dollar that's in existence today since the dawn of time, something like $30 trillion. $30 trillion is outside of the economy that hasn't been taxed back. $30 trillion. Okay? So what are you going to do? China to buy U.S. Treasury bonds has to use U.S. dollars to buy the fucking Treasury bonds. Okay? So where did China get U.S. dollars from? We're certainly not borrowing U.S. dollars that we create freely out of thin air. We're not borrowing their U.S. dollars so we can spend them. We're merely giving them a interest-bearing savings account for their dollar holdings because they aren't taking dollars back to China to use in the Chinese economy. They've got the yuan, okay? Jesus fucking H. Christ. And these we're talking about alt media getting six, 700 people viewing simultaneously, and they're sitting there spreading this crap that we're in debt to fucking China. No joke. That, my friends, is your progressive movement listening to people telling them right-wing economics, right-wing, sigile right-wing economics, okay? This is the lol Bertarian shitcoin crap people sitting there pumping this crap out. Now, Kit's a nice guy, but Kit's out there literally promoting the worst economics possible, and he's not alone. We're picking on him because somebody put his name inside of the fucking chat. Okay, but the fact is, the fact is, is that he's not alone. Many, many, many alt media people out there are seeing the exact Sig Heil right wing kind of bullshit economics that is literally going to kill us. So this idea of free stuff isn't really free at all. It really comes down to us understanding 
that we as a nation have the ability to make the lives of every single one of us good. They're choosing not to. And we have help within the progressive community to ensure that our lives aren't better as well. Does ignorance kill? You be the judge. With that, I am Steve Grumbine, the Rogue Scholar, and I'm hoping that you guys learned something today. And I'm going to go ahead and drop the elbow truth and get the fuck out of here. Have a good day. Steve Grumbine, the Rogue Scholar, out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.